So let's uh, start with a meditation. So aware that we've all come from different places, bringing with us, you know, our, our probably many people from our home or our work, in our minds, hearts, and uh, maybe plans for the future, maybe doubts or concerns about the day. So just acknowledging that often we bring all of that stuff with us, carry it all around in a big sack. And we don't need it here. We can put it away. We can leave it outside. It's uh, not going to help. So just recognizing, you know, as we as we start our meditation, likelihood is, as we start to sit, the mind's not going to settle so quickly. We're going to be sifting through things. So just notice, you know, there's a certain skillfulness in allowing stuff to settle. So being, being aware and present with what's, what's stirred up and what's arising. And then there's a, a slight, and, so there's a, and there's a difference between letting things settle and keeping it stirred up. So in the, this practice, we want to just allow the body and the mind to settle and to fully arrive in this place and to be here so that we can really fully be here for this day of practice together. And it's a really a precious, such a precious opportunity to practice and to hear the Dharma. You know, billions of people in this world don't have the opportunity. And even if they did, maybe they don't have the life circumstances that they could feel, you know, that they could actually take it in because they're struggling to survive, to get enough to eat or clean water or, you know, feel safe physically. So we're very, very fortunate. We're very, very blessed to have this time, so to use it really as a, as a precious gift. So please come in, there's plenty of seats. You can either sit on a chair or you can have a mat. There are mats also in the cupboard, I think you could find more if you want, you're welcome. So we find a posture that we can sustain for about 40 minutes. And if you're sitting on a chair, it's good to have your feet on the ground or on a cushion beneath you. And if you're sitting on the floor, then use a cushion or a stool, if that's more useful, to lift, lift the base of your spine up so that your spine is straight and you're uh, from, the, from the crown of your head going all the way down to your tailbone there's a natural alignment also if you're sitting in a chair to find that same alignment so we tend to sit in a chair like leaning against a chair you know so it's like putting in that little bit of extra energy and in the meditation we find a place of equipoise where there's enough energy that we're alert and aware. We're not just falling asleep, we're not uh, lost in dreaming and thinking. But there's not so much energy that we're tense. So it might take a bit of exploring to find that equipoise. And also as characters, some of us tend to put in too much energy, some of us tend to put in too little. So if we just check in, we might recognize the tendency already and then just adjust a little bit.
So feeling the body sitting here. Feeling the weight of your body on the seat. And letting yourself fully rest into this seat here, into this place. Even if the mind is somewhere else, the body is right here. And when we pay attention to the body, then we are present here and now. The body is always here. Presence is always now. Awareness is always now. So we're aware of the body sitting here, feeling its weight, its groundedness. And we're aware that there is space above and around us. There's room for us to fully take this place right here. And bring your attention to the breath, just your natural breathing. And just see where it's most obvious. For some it's in the belly, I think belly's a really good place to see the movement of the breath, the rising and falling. Or you might be more noticing the nostrils or the tip of the nose. Maybe for this first meditation, come down into the belly and just being aware of the belly rising and falling with each breath. And the mind likes to run around, it's monkey mind, likes to run around doing this and that and getting interested in more exciting things but we're giving the monkey mind something to do. Paying attention to the breath. And notice how uh, easy it is once we we think, oh, I'm going to pay attention to the breath, that we think we have to do the breath. We start doing the breathing. 
And when we do the breath, we're not in a tune with natural law anymore. We're, we're taking charge of something which is actually perfectly okay without us. So see if you can just be embodied, be fully here, and allow the natural process of breath to happen and bring awareness to that. Mindful of breathing in and breathing out. Mindful of the rise of the belly and the falling of the belly. And if you find your belly is kind of hard, then push a breath down into there. Two or three, soften it up a bit. And then let your breath relax naturally. So we're moving our attention down from the thinking mind into the belly, resting in the belly.
And if you find you're feeling restless, then pay particular attention to the out-breath, letting go on the out-breath. If you're sleepy, pay particular attention to the in-breath, gives you more energy, life energy. If you're feeling kind of balanced, pay attention to the in-breath and the, and the out-breath.
So with each in-breath we take in the new life energy and with each out-breath we let go of what is no longer needed in this living organism. Our out-breath gets recycled. So with the breath, we experience the flow of nature, which is to receive and let go, to begin and grow and increase, and then decrease and end. This is the nature of things. So we can observe this in our own breath, right here, right now.
And as we breathe in, we've been breathing into the belly, we can extend that to just have a sense of the breath coming in through the whole of the body. So we're breathing in right through our limbs, through our torso. And breathing out, letting go of any tension that we brought with us there. So breathing in through the whole of the body, breathing out, letting go from every part of our body, any excess tension, any knots, they can just gradually unravel and be released breath by breath.
So in a moment we'll come to the end of this sitting meditation. I'll ring a bell. Just notice what happens. Just notice if you pop up into your head. Start thinking about the next thing. We'll see whether you can stay connected. You've put effort into generating this mindfulness, embodied mindfulness. See if you can keep that as we move into the next step of this day long. So we're going to take our mindfulness practice into movement, into walking, meditation. And um, people are, you know, learn in different ways. There are different um, techniques and different objectives to some degree in the walking meditation. And for us, uh, it's, it's simply to be mindful of the body walking. It's so simple that people don't know what to do. <laughs> Because when you're being mindful of the body walking, you kind of think, well, hang on a minute, it must be more to it than this. But it it is simply that. It's simply being mindful and aware of the body while it's walking. And I would say for this first first walking meditation, to be mindful of the soles of your feet as you step on the ground. And notice how the mind pulls off into the past, into the future, into the side, above or below, anywhere it can go. And you're training your mind to come back and just be right here. Right here with this step, with this moment, with this experience. And then on top of that, what we tend to do is we evaluate. Even when we can stay present, we're like, this is nice. Or, this is, I like this place. Or, oh, it's a bit too swanky for me. Or, you know, whatever it might be is going on. Or, I really, oh, my foot hurts. Or, you know, whatever it is. So just notice that's, a, that's extra. That's our, that's our, our extra judgment that goes on top and all we're learning to do here is be with the simple experience of walking so that we know how to be here in this body in any moment of our lives because we're so good at being in our thinking mind and and not so good at being really fully present and embodied and as we practice walking meditation for many people some people never quite settle into it some people find it very very Good, so it varies. But whether you find it really great or you don't, doesn't matter. You just just know the experience. It's you know, it's it's about bringing presence to what is. And uh, it may be that you find as you do the walking that your mind starts to settle just with the rhythm of the walking, with um, the steadiness of the walking. And so we just as in the sitting posture, we have an upright. Um, 
the spine is upright, so also when we're standing, the spine is upright. I said she does, she's got a very good posture anyway, even when she doesn't try. So, <laughs> and uh, and we walk with our eyes just uh, our gaze just um, like two or three yards in front of us, so we're not looking around. We're we're limiting our sense experience so that we can stay here rather than out there. And uh, as we start at white, we make a path, a straight line. You just, you just notice where it starts. It might be a wall or a crack in the pavement or a tree or something. So you just notice, okay, this is the beginning of my path. Then you count 20 or 25 paces in a straight line, not crossing anyone else's path. Just your, and then you, and you mark the other end of your path with a stick or a leaf or whatever it is. And then you know that's your path. You don't have to count anymore. You just need to be with the body walking. So as we walk, you're just simply walking mindfully, a little bit slower than you normally would walk. You can have your hands in front of you like, like that, or at the side, behind you. But we're not kind of swinging, you know, it's not like an exercise. It's, it's um, exercise in mindfulness. And then when you get to the end of the path, you turn and you stop. And you just stand for a moment and, and, and be in your here. And the purpose of stopping at the end is to see, you know, where did the mind go meanwhile? Has it been present all along? Or did I nip off to Hawaii for a while there? You know? So when you stop, you can come back. And it's always every step, every breath, every moment is an opportunity to come back. There's never, it's never too late. There's never, you're never hopeless. This is always the opportunity. Thank you. So, um, are there any questions about the walking meditation before we begin? Yes, you can go out of the building. We didn't actually ask where. Mark? And in the hall as well, out there? Out there? In the foyer? But not in here. Yeah. Lovely, yeah. Thanks, Mark. And will there be a bell at the end of the walking, Mark? What's the situation for the end of the walking meditation? Is there a bell outside? That's great. Okay, so a bell at, at 10.25. Thank you. So if you just keep practicing that until 10.25 when you hear the bell come in, and then ISN Institute will offer a Dhamma talk at 10.30. And if anyone is new to meditation, we didn't ask in the beginning, but if anybody here is new to meditation and you'd like to ask any questions or clarify anything, I'll stay here. You can come and speak to me and ask any questions. Okay.
So, is it working? Is it working? Yeah? Uh, no? Not working. <laughs> Maybe. Manage around. It's working. Okay. You know, if you're not happy with the volume of the sound, you let the managers know to turn it up a little bit. Uh, uh huh. Is there anybody you know experienced? That not loud enough, then we please raise your hand, raise your arm, and then we will adjust the volume. So everybody's happy? Okay. And also you know, in, in the practice it's it's about everything is just about good enough is is already pretty good because it's never going to be perfect, really. <laughs> and that is, has its own perfection, and I do really understand that. And that's really, you know, what we are trying to uh, train ourselves in. And what is the result of insight is to understand that everything is the way it is and it is perfect in itself, but not necessarily perfect in the way you know, to our uh, wishes. And to understand that kind of a, of a difference is something which starts to become clear, you know, when we do this practice. Because we start, you know, to go under the surface of life and we start to connect with the laws of nature, which are, you know, not necessarily catering to our wishes, but they are just what they are. And in order to have a life which is more content and at peace, you know, we have to really go deeper and see that for ourselves, because just hearing it, you know, or reading it in a book is, is a good beginning, but it isn't liberating. You know, once we take those instructions, they are like signposts, you know, they are showing us in a certain direction. If we then not kind of follow the signpost, if we get stuck on the post, then we get stuck on the post. We don't, you know, experience the um, process and then there is no, no results there. So a day like this is about, you know, putting it into practice, some of the essential teachings of the Buddha, and then, you know, through that experience, starting to see through, to, to look through uh, certain assumptions we have about the way things are. And we start to, you know, clear out some of those assumptions, which are, you know, result of our conditioning. And, uh, and there's nothing kind of bad about this conditioning. It's just like, you know, it's what we got from our parents, what we get from the culture. They all have good intentions, but those intentions are mixed up with ignorance. And then, you know, 
what happens is like our life, which is uh, you know not fully in tune with the racing sound because of that stress happens, suffering happens, and the Buddha has said, you know, I teach suffering and about the end of suffering, because he saw first in his own experience and then also the people around him, he saw, you know, there's a lot of uh, things going on which not necessarily have to be going on. And they, you know, that, that if, if we would kind of familiarize ourselves with the way how nature works, then there would be la- less friction. Because, it, you know, nature isn't betraying us or the things, you know, in our lives, they are not betraying us. It's just that we are relating to our experiences, to our possessions, to our own bodies, to the planet Earth as a whole. We are relating to it in ways which are very much kind of self-centered, you know. What about what can it do for me? And not because we are bad people, it's just that we are not yet wise enough, you know, we are not yet uh, informed deeply enough about how this all works, you know. And, you know, we have been, you know, able to create what's called like climate chaos nowadays, you know, over the last 10 years or so, mainstream culture, or a lot of mainstream culture has become aware of, you know, the really uh, alarming results of that ignorance. It's not only just about, you know, I'm having a little bit of stress, but meanwhile the whole planet is really stressed by the way how we are living as part of this planet because we we are not really realizing what we are doing because we are still thinking and we are on top of it and we can just uh, pick up this and throw back that and we are not thinking further. Not because we are bad, just because we are ignorant. So we always bring a, a picture of the planet with us because we're considering you know, planet Earth is a very powerful teacher nowadays. It's the biggest teacher ever. And you know, it's holding up this huge mirror, but there's still people who can't see it. And the word Dhamma can be translated in many different ways. Usually it's the teaching of the Buddha is called Dhamma, but we can also translate it as a nature or laws of nature or the way things are. And even today, you know, in the Thai language, the word for natural is Dhammachat, which means born from nature. So, you know, that we already have it in our language, but we have lost, you know, the meaning really. Because in our language, you know, which is based on, on Latin language, the word for born is natus. So that is, you know, the root of the word nature as well. Born of Dhamma, born of nature. So it's all already there, but we have lost the connection because we are so distracted, you know, in the superficial uh, concerns of daily life. And they are not superficial in a, in a conventional sense because we do need, you know, to look after our lives. But we have been allowing, 
you know, that part of existence to become so all-consuming. And we need to bring some balance to that. And that's, you know, what we try to support with uh, trying to share some of the teachings, you know, which have worked for us. To try to bring a balance to the entrancement, you know, with the superficial appearances and to go underneath. Because one can get easily lost, you know, in the million things which we can shop and read and listen to and wear and eat and go to and fly. And there are so many things we can do, can go very much lost in all of this. And, uh, you know, if we want to develop wisdom, if we want to align ourselves with the way things are, we have to go under the surface. And we have to wean ourselves up, you know, wean ourselves off, wean ourselves off, you know, from that preoccupation with all of those trillion things. And, and, uh, you know, disentangle our habitual um, preoccupation and, and go under the surface. And there's that, you know, we need some real motivation for that. We, we really need to understand that the solution doesn't lie on the, on the surface. We have to go deeper. We have to stop certain avenues of distracting ourselves. We have to make like a we have to renounce something. And all of you, you know, have been renouncing many other things you could have done today. So you're already, you know, obviously you have a motivation, otherwise you wouldn't be here. To just, you know, realize that you are already motivated to know more. So that's a wonderful thing because that's the result of your practice until today, you know, which has brought you here. So that's great. And now we have to just go further. And, um, you know, going under the surface requires, you know, to kind of bear with the withdrawal symptoms, you know, of not... uh, responding, you know, to the habitual ways of distracting. That takes effort, right effort. You know, to just say, okay, I'm going to, for today, I'm going to put this to one side. I'm not going to do this. It's not because those things are bad, but they they don't lead us in the right direction. And, you know, they're playing... Uh, the technology of meditation, which is, you know, very clear tools which we can use in order to familiarize ourselves with what's happening under the surface, you know, helping us to keep the mind focused and to kind of go a little bit deeper. And, And then, you know, those laws of nature, they will reveal themselves to us by themselves, you know, because they are not trying to be secret to us, you know, they are self-secret in the sense that we are too distracted to see them. 
But as soon as we pay attention, they are always there. They want to be known. So it's not uh, rocket science, so to say. It just requires uh, you know, to make a decision and then uh, go with the decision, which means you know, not to go into distraction. Or as soon as we are noticing it, you know, we are distracted habitually, thinking about the past, thinking about the future, thinking about hopes and fears, all of that, which is completely normal because it's part of our you know, kind of evolutionary equipment which, which we were born. Because we need, and we need a thinking mind, we need to be aware of dangers, we need to kind of have what it takes you know, to bring this body through a lifetime. But, you know, we can train our minds in that way that we do have a choice, you know, when we are thinking about danger and when we are thinking about future, when we are thinking about past, to not be completely caught up because as you would have noticed, I suppose, is that you know, even if you sit down on a chair and there's no danger happening, your mind is still kind of thinking and thinking and thinking about this and that. So to develop more space, that's what we are trying to do. And through that you know, process of, of doing that, you know, developing more space around experience, we start to notice, you know, how our minds are conditioned. We start to see, you know, what is our, what's coming up, you know, frequently, for example. Just getting to know yourself. That's, that's the first part, is, you know, just getting to know what does the mind habitually throw up. And then through, you know, observing that over time, we lose more and more kind of the fascination with it. Because we are, we are noticing, you know, it's always the same thing, really. And it, it becomes less and less personal through the repetition of the meditation. And that's a very important, uh, you know, kind of, if you have a goal, that's a very important goal, is it's not about stopping the mind, from thinking, but it's more like looking through the content and starting to see the structure of the thinking mind. And then through that, you know, we become more and more uh, independent from the, content, from the content. All of those stories, these dramas, you know, they have less and less grip on our, on our hearts. There's this beautiful saying, you know, more dharma, less drama. <laughs> we had this on our office door for a long time. I think that's a very beautiful, short you know, way how we can uh, characterize what the practice does. You know? Because we're getting less and less gripped by our reactions. And then they are still happening for some time, you know? but we are not anymore grasping on so much to it. And then, over time, they are just kind of getting less and less intense. Like if you have a stain, you know, in a, in a cloth, you, you're rubbing it and washing it and washing it, and, you know, over like 20 times washing it, it just becomes lighter and lighter. And that's what the meditation does. It's just like that. You just 
and instead of rubbing it like with a brush, you're just being aware of it. And that being aware of it and coming back to it and not turning away from it, that's, you know, what informs the mind. So it, it's less and less uh, involved. It's less and less identified with what's happening there, you know. And uh, so, you know, that means, you know, we are taking advantage of the laws of nature. Instead of being swept along, we are just kind of using them for, uh, for, the, for the benefit of uh, developing wisdom and compassion. Because, you know, somebody who has wisdom and compassion is, is someone, you know, who is in alignment with the laws of nature. And, uh, you know, the practice of vipassana or insight meditation is, is basically you know, a set of tools which is designed, you know, to support us in familiarizing ourselves with the laws of nature. So it's not like, you know, that the Buddha has invented... Uh, that, but the Buddha was uh, a human being, you know, who has had so much um, capacity that he could not only you know realize that, but he was also able, you know, to lay out a path which others could follow him to that same realization, and. Uh, you know, one of the central um, guidelines for that process, they're, they're called the four foundations of mindfulness or the four satipatthana. That's a structure, you know, which the Buddha has given us in order to find, you know, uh, an entrance into the tangle of our experience. So, you know, he has come up with a structure to basically, you know, the experience of me and my life and me and my suffering and me and my craziness or whatever you want to call it. You know, that kind of a huge ball of energy. You know, in order to access it, he has given us the four foundations of mindfulness as one way, you know, how we can get into that tangle and not getting lost in it. And the first foundation is the foundation of the body. And Ayananda Bodhi was giving you a guided meditation on that just before. You know, connecting with the body, connecting with the breathing, and so on and so forth. So that's one foundation, the first one. And there are four, and they are all four important. But each one, you know, is, is an entrance gate into the way things are. The second one would be you know, the foundation of uh, feeling. To notice, you know, how you are feeling about the present moment right now. There's just three feelings. Pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral. So that's the, that would be the second foundation. And then the third foundation is about mind, the mood of the mind right now, angry, 
confused, contracted, spacious, focused. There's many different qualities which we can notice. And then the fourth one is phenomena arising and ceasing in the mind. We don't need to go into all of this, but I just want to explain you know, that there's this structure which the Buddha has given to us. And today we just want to work with the first foundation, with body. And, you know, and one way how we can uh, look at the body is the way Ayananda Bodhi has been guiding you, the, you know, just the body sitting and breathing in and breathing out. That's one way. And what that, you know, what we experience in that way very clearly is the impermanence, you know, of that body is constantly breathing in and breathing out by itself because it's part of nature. And you know, at every in-breath, we are taking in something and every out-breath, we let go of something. So every moment, you know, that body is changing. There's always like a slight change with every in-breath and with every out-breath. So this body is surely not a solid thing. This body is a process. And through this kind of meditation, we learn that through experiencing it. It just, you know, slowly but surely starts to dawn on us just by paying attention to it. And then, you know, we can extrapolate that on, on this glass, on this bell. It's, they are not solid things. They are all processes. But because of our sense organs, you know, we experience them to be different than what they really are. And that's what the meditation, you know, tries to support us in breaking through that appearance into the way things really are, to go behind appearances. And that's, yeah, it's, a, it's a lifetime's work, really. But we have to start where we are right now and just bring... bring ourselves into the depths of what's already happening. We don't have to go out to look for anything special. What we have here is, is enough because we have a body, we have a mind that's enough for practicing. So and I wanted to you know, give you now also a, a short guided meditation about the four elements which is another way, you know, how we can experience the body and notice that we are actually not separate from nature. We are part of nature. Because, you know, those elements, they are everywhere. The building is made from the four elements. Every, the, all of the trees, everything out there is made from the four elements. The body is made from the four elements. All your possessions you'll ever have in this lifetime consisting of the four elements. It's a very simplified way of looking at, of looking at uh, life, but it's 
nevertheless a way which works because it's true. So the four elements are earth, water, fire and air. And I'm just going to give you a guided meditation. You can experience them in your own uh, body. And it's a very kind of one of the classic, you know, meditations you can find in the suttas also. And it's maybe, you know, uh, sounds a bit boring, but I think through repetition, you know, we we can get uh, sensitized enough that we can really uh, experience the profundity of that truth. Because as I said before, you know, all of those insights, they are kind of self-secret in the sense that if the mind is not in tune, if the mind is not clear enough, it just all passes by like, okay, air, water, blah, blah, blah. But it's not because it's not a profound truth. It's just because, you know, it takes some clearing out to connect with it. You know, in this time of uh, great planetary kind of increasing climate chaos, it's a, a very good thing to pay attention to. Because it has the power, you know, to really change the way how we relate and how we shop, how we consume, how we eat, how we spend our time. It can have very profound results. And it starts now. So find a posture you can sustain for 30 minutes. You know, and those, the guided meditation I'm giving now is, is, is kind of like a, a prescription. You know, when you go to the doctor and you say, I have an illness, the doctor gives you a prescription. And then you follow that prescription and most, let's hopefully it's going to bring you health. And, and the same thing is with the meditation. It's a prescription. If you don't do it, it's just a piece of paper. So finding a posture and having a, most important is a straight spine. 
doesn't matter if you sit on the chair or on the mat. Most important is a straight spine so the air can flow in and out unhinderedly. And if you do sit on a chair, please have both of your feet flat on the ground in front of you, on a cushion if you like, or just on the floor. Is that, you know, that sense of connection with the ground is important for the system to settle. A stable posture is important and the mind will follow. If the posture isn't stable and, and strong, the mind doesn't have anything to settle into. So these bodies, and they are very precious. This human body, this human life is a very good starting point for practice. So first we, we come in touch with the earth element. It's the coarsest you know, of the four elements. And it, it represents solidity and the quality of structure and form. You know, the frame of your body sitting here. Especially you know, the skeleton inside. Without the skeleton, the body wouldn't be able to sit upright. It would be just like a heap. Just connecting with the solidity of the skeleton inside of your body. And if for some reason you feel you can't do that, then you can just, you know, the hardness of your teeth, the hardness of your fingernails. That's all, that's, soli that's an experience of solidity. Connect with that. That's earth element. And then also we're sitting on planet earth right now. It's vast and very deep. And we are part of that. And the function of earth element is to support. And you know that we feel the gravity it pulls us where we belong. It's all a vast system of great intelligence which we can never ever grasp with the thinking mind. But we can open ourselves to it beyond the intellect. 
through this very simple exercise of connecting with earth element. Because we are made of earth element. In the bones, you can feel it in the fingernails, in the teeth. We are not separate. And if we don't eat, you know, for like say six weeks, two months, we can't sustain ourselves. We have to constantly take in earth element, let go of earth element. It's a constant exchange happening. Earth element inside the body, earth element outside the body, so to say, it's all the same. The hills around us here. It's the same earth element. So this is an exercise of familiarizing our, ourselves with that simple truth, this vast truth. We can't escape that. There's nowhere to go. It's always going to be planet Earth. As long as we have this body. We belong, we are part of it. And there are some very silly people who are speaking about terraforming some planets like Mars or something like that, distracting themselves from what needs to be done. So, you know, through working with elements, there's this, it gives us that experience of uh, oneness, non-separation, belonging, just for a moment, and a moment, and a moment. 
mind. When you notice you know, the mind gets drawn into thinking about you know, lunch or some other issues in your life, as soon as you notice it, you just come back to connect with that solidity, support, gravity, earth element. And then we're going to go to the next one, water element. We can become aware of the water element, the wetness inside of your mouth, the wetness of the eyes, wetness on the palm of your hand maybe, wetness in the, behind your knees if you sit cross-legged. So this quality of uh, liquidity, of fluidity, and you know the body, the human body consists of about 75% water. And if we don't drink for about a week, we will have to die. And there's like a constant exchange, you know, we drink and we go to the bathroom, drink, go to the bathroom. It's a process, constant exchange with the water element outside the body, quote-unquote, and inside the body. The lakes, the rivers, the rain clouds, the oceans, water element outside and inside the body is exactly the same. And the uh, function of the water element is to bind its cohesion. So earth element and water element together like a dough, for example. The water element binds the flower. Water element binds the earth element. And in the Buddhist uh, scriptures, the quality of loving kindness, metta, is often compared, you know, with the water element, with water, because it keeps, you know, it can hold everything together, even the most difficult experiences, the most difficult challenges and people, if we can bring loving kindness to it, or also our own emotional experiences, if we can bring loving kindness to it, we can hold it. We don't have to kind of split it off. We can be with it, we can give it some space. Because it's there, it exists. So becoming aware of the water element, maybe in your mouth, or on your 
palms of your hands. That's what element. California is in a drought since years. And last winter we had rain, that was great. And you know, as, as human beings, the older we get, water element kind of dries up a little bit, we get wrinkled, we dry up, literally, the older we get. Has, you know, it has this uh, quality of maturing. We call it aging, you know, but you could also call it maturing. Maturing to the point that we go back to nature completely. In the culture, it's like a bad thing, you know, to get old and wrinkled and die. But actually, it's like a dying and the going back to the elements is like is the peak of the maturing process the pinnacle and then it just starts again there's nothing wrong with that it's just the way things are it's just the the culture has its preferences for beginnings doesn't like endings because it's what it is west coast conditioning it's not bad anything it's just a bit out of touch And also the blood is important, you know. The blood, the lymph, the mucus, the sweat, the tears, the urine. It's all water element. So if, if you feel a bit tired, you could take a deep breath and open your eyes, let in the light.
it, it's quite normal you know, to feel tired. If you come from a busy life, come to such a peaceful place, It's okay to be tired, but just like trying to support you know, the meditation by opening the eyes. And then the next element we are looking into is the fire element, uh, represents heat and temperature. And that the life energy. And you know the function of it is as I said before, you know, is to mature. So when we are aging, you know, the fire element is there, it matures. And we, you know, we dry up a little bit, get wrinkled. And then, you know, we go, at the peak of it, we fall back to the dust we have come from. And, and the heat element comes, it's all coming from the sun, either you know, by going outside and feeling the warmth on our body or by eating the sun, by eating you know, whatever has been growing under the sun, vegetables, animals. And then we also, you know, we are at this point in time, we try to wean ourselves off fossil fuels. That's also a way you know, how we are partaking in the sun. This is plants you know, which have been processed over millions of years, you know, trees which have been pressurized by a lot of pressure and heat and then they become oil or coal. And, you know, we've been burning so much of that stuff that we have to stop doing it. Because it releases, you know, certain elements which are not conducive you know, for species, many, many species to keep on living here. So it's a, it's a real issue. But we can find other ways, you know, how to partake in the heat of the sun. Like Spirit Rock has this beautiful uh, array of uh, solar panels out there, that's a more intelligent way of drawing on the sun. Because we need to cooperate with the sun. If we don't have, you know, we have actually a very limited array of temperature we can live in. If it's too cold or too hot, we can't function. We get sick, we die. So in the heat, you can probably feel also probably in your mouth or on the palms of your hands, the heat under your arms. But generally, I know where the skin meets the uh, cool air, 
you might be able to notice the warmth of your body. And then you know, when we are eating the lunch, you probably also can feel the digestion process. You know, releases the heat as well as like a fire. And then, you know, women go through menopause when they get older, then there's lots of heat. It's kind of quite strange. <laughs> I'm at the end of it. It was a long process for me. And also in the center of the planet, there is also fire. So the you know the temperature on this planet and around this planet is just right for so many species, you know, to have been thriving over the. 14 billion years of evolution and of one cycle after the next. And the temperature is very, very crucial. So the heat of the sun and, and the heat temperature in our bodies is it's one and the same heat element. And then for the last element we are working with today is, is air element. Air represents movement, uh, mobility and vibration. So we you know, can familiarize ourselves by paying attention simply to the process of breathing. And uh, the function is, is to move. So you know, all, all matter has like vibrates in a certain way. It's that, that basic movement of all life. You can connect with it. You know, in the meditation, if the mind is really peaceful, you can feel that your body is vibrating in a certain way. And everything around you as well. That's, you know, the basic air element. And the breathing process is, you know, working with that uh, basic uh, 
vibration breathing in and letting go. And if we don't breathe like for a very short time, we can't live. We have to be constant in exchange in order to live. And air element inside the body, air element outside the body, just the same. You know, and all of those elements, they're around since the Big Bang. They have been recycled countless times, you know. Just thinking in that way just really boggles the mind, I think. It just opens the mind up wide. Those same elements which are presently forming, you know, my body, they have formed countless bodies before that. Dinosaurs and so on. It's a constant exchange. Nothing is ever lost. Air element, breathing in and breathing out. Heat element. Feel it on the skin. Water element. Wetness in the mouth. And earth element, that gravity, which shows us where we belong, where we come from. So that's one way, you know, how we can uh, familiarize ourselves uh, with the way things are. And they're tuning the instrument of the mind. So then, you know, we can make music, we can live in a way which is more in tune with truth.
We have to come back to it and tune it again and again. It's so easy to forget. Even it's right there in front of our eyes, 24 hours, every day. But it's kind of hidden under the drama of our busy lives. It's like hiding a mountain. You don't have to do anything. It's nowhere to, you can't do that really, but you can just look the other way. So turning the mind in the right direction. So for these, for these last 15 minutes before we stop for lunch, we're going to do some standing meditation. So it's very useful to know um, this practice of standing meditation is, is helpful when we're sleepy. If we're, in a, if we're sitting and then we find we're getting drowsy, we could just stand up. And it's also helpful because there are times like coming very soon, waiting for the, in the lunch line when we are standing. And uh, we can either stand thinking about something else, what's going to happen in the future, being absent, or we can stand with presence, with awareness. So uh, it's helpful, it's easier if you're standing off your mat so that you've got a nice solid floor beneath you. I think I'm going to stand up here so I can see you actually. Don't mind. 
towering over you, just so I can see. <laughs> um, and stand with your feet just a, about a shoulder width apart, just a little bit apart. So if, you, if, your feet, if you habitually stand with your feet right close together, you don't give yourself a very solid foundation, you easily fall over. And then just uh, standing here, feeling your feet on the ground, just as when we started with the sitting, you feel the weight of your body sitting. As you stand, feel the weight of your feet on the ground, the gravity. And I just need to say, if anyone feels dizzy or has difficulty standing, you can also sit down. It's, it's, it's just mindfulness of the body, so you can sit too. Just feeling your feet on the ground and the weight of your body. Some pressure on the soles of your feet. And then bringing your awareness. So your awareness is right down there in your feet. Not thinking about your feet. Not up in your head looking down. Thinking about your feet down there. But... Awareness is right down here in your feet. And as we stand, we just had this guided meditation on elements. So as we're standing, there's earth standing on earth. And bringing your awareness up your legs to the lower legs, just seeing what you feel there. So I can feel my calf muscles are having to work a little bit. No problem. And coming up, feeling your knees and your thighs and then the whole of your legs. And just be aware of what you feel. So you might be standing here thinking, well, I don't know what she's talking about. I'm not feeling anything. What do you mean, feel your legs? So then you can know that there isn't a lot of, you know, like the, you're not so used to being in the body. So you're more familiar with being in the thinking mind. But uh, if you just bring... Push your attention down there into your legs. You'll feel something. You might be able to feel your clothing. You might be able to feel, you, know, you might need to move a little bit and then you can feel how the movement, the muscles. So just simply knowing how it is, how this body is right now. And moving up into your pelvis, the hips. belly, letting your belly soften and open, let it all hang out, the belly likes to have room, not be squashed, and moving up your torso,
seeing what you feel. Maybe some comfort, some discomfort, maybe some warmth or coolness. Again, you might feel your clothing. Just knowing, what do you feel? What's, what's going on right here? And being aware of your hands. Very, very sensitive. If we you know, touch a hot pan, ow. We move away very quickly, we feel our hands are very sensitive. When we touch a beautiful cloth, we enjoy the texture of beautiful cloth because the hands like to feel. So what is it like just to experience the hands right now? Moving up your arms. You might feel the warmth where your arms are resting against your body. Just knowing that. And coming up to your shoulders. What does it feel like? What do these shoulders feel like? Are they carrying great burdens? Have they collapsed? You can move your shoulders a little bit. Often we don't, we're not aware of our body because we kind of use it like a mule. We get it to work for us. We get it to do what we want. And we don't want to feel it. We don't want to know too much. But in this practice, we're tuning in, listening to this body. It's got a lot of wisdom. It's got natural intelligence. So being aware of our shoulders. And coming up to the neck and throat. Just noticing any habitual way of holding. So I notice I have a habitual way of shortening the back of my neck. I forget, I do it a lot. And then when I remember, I let it stretch a little bit. Not pulling it, but just letting it lengthen so that the Spine is straight. It's a good feeling. Or maybe we hold our head to one side or another, or maybe we're always a bit like this, the head hanging down. So we're learning how to take full space. The spine is erect. We're centered right here. 
and then being aware of your head. We're usually aware of the thoughts going on, but not so much of the actual head. What does it feel like? It's a great heavy thing balanced on top of this neck. <laughs> what does it feel like? Can you feel it? If you're wearing glasses, maybe you can feel your glasses. I can feel mine. If you have hair, maybe you can feel your hair. And being aware of your face. Can't see our faces. Can only see other people's. But we can feel them. We can feel our cheeks, nose, lips, chin. We can feel our eyes, or at least the, around the eyes. And the forehead. What does it feel like right now, to this face? Coming down, back of your head, back of your neck. See if you can feel anything at all. And then coming down your back. It's bringing your awareness down the back. and down to the base of the spine just noticing if there's holding or clenching there if there is just just shifting your posture a little bit to open up the base of the spine And coming down these legs, feeling the muscles working. Takes a bit of effort. And then all the way down to the feet on the floor. And now I'd like to invite you to open your awareness to take in the whole of the body, the whole body standing. Whatever you experience, you might just have a, like a slight hint of an experience of the body. That's what happens when we're not used to paying attention to the body. When all, all of our attention goes on thoughts. <clears throat> when we bring our attention to the body, there's this kind of like slight trace of something down there. So if that's what you experience, just know that. There's a wealth of information waiting to reveal itself to you if you put your attention on the body. Or it might be very strong sensation. And then be aware of the attitude that you bring to this body. Is it something that you use do you love the body? 
So you criticize it for not being the way you think it should be, for doing these terrible things like getting sick and aging, growing in ways we didn't want it to grow in, being a different shape to what we wanted. This is being at odds with nature. This body is perfect as it is. And it's changing all the time. And that is the perfection of the body and of nature. Changing all the time. So in a minute we're going to go leave the hall and uh, start preparing for lunch. Okay. And uh, just before you make your announcement, Mark, I just want to say that, um, you know, also while you eat, so that in the eating, we're doing exactly what Ayasanth Chita was talking about in her guided meditation about the, you know, there's the, what we call the internal and then the external. So the internal is like the me here, what's inside, and then the external, everything else. <laughs> it's a funny division in a way. And, uh, and while we're eating, we're taking the fruits of the earth and we're taking them in and we're making them part of this. We're taking what's external, we're making it internal. It becomes part of us. It, it, the food becomes part of this body. And then we let go of what we don't need. It becomes external. And uh, just, to, just to notice that flow of every day, we do it every day, we don't pay attention to it, or maybe we take, pay attention to what we put in, but then we don't think about the rest of it, you know. But it's actually, it's actually a, a process of nature that's going on with the breath, with, with liquids, with food, it's going on all the time. So we see that when we watch that, we see that we are part of nature, we are just a little bit you know, in the flow of nature. And this, um, this self that we have blown up into being a great important thing in our lives is just kind of a mind construct, really. So explore while you're eating this, this process of, you know, fruits of the sun and the earth and the wind and the rain being taken in. It'll be digested by the intelligence of the body. We don't even have to do it. And it'll do its thing. It'll come out. It'll become part of the earth again. So watch all of that. So before Mark is speaking, I just want to mention one thing or so. Uh, at around 1.15, Isabelita Papa will give um, 45 minutes of Qigong instructions. She usually comes around mealtime. We'll see if she's outside. But Mark, yeah, so if she doesn't come, which can also happen, then uh, we'll, we're going to uh, probably do walking meditation instead. But the plan is, you know, to, after the meal at 1.15, there will be a bell, maybe at 10 past 1. And then, yeah, and then at 1.15, and see where Elisab- Isabelita would like to give the instructions here in the hall or outside depending on what she thinks is best. And then uh, at 2 o'clock we meet here again in the hall 
and then Ayanana Bodhi will give a Dhamma reflection and then there will be questions and answers after that. And Mark, will you uh, introduce Isabelita when she comes then? Thank you so much. And also, you know, just to mention, Qigong is a very good um, way of giving support, you know, that the energy stays moving, especially after the meal where we tend to get a bit drowsy. So we really uh, recommend uh, Isabelita's uh, Qigong. She is a very, very good teacher. So enjoy that. I'm just going to give some instructions on the uh, lunch, how we do operations and how we kind of work the lunch offering. Um, but I did want to also mention, remember to check out the free book table. Uh, Loka Vihara generously brought in some books for everyone today to take a, uh, so feel free to use to, to take some books home with you. Uh, once again, we waived our class fees today uh, as part of our generosity for the Donna Day. And if anyone would like to make a financial contribution, the Donna basket will be out in the hall just on one of the tables as you go out the door to the right. And we'll keep it there uh, throughout the rest of the day. Uh, so I'm just going to read through this, uh, and I'll go slow, uh, just so we all kind of know all the mechanics of today for the uh, lunch offering. But if you brought a dish to share today, yes, everyone can sit down if you like. If you brought a dish to share today, I invite you to finish, finish any preparations that need to be done so the meal is ready. Not right now, but when we get done, when I get done talking through everything. Please open all packages and place serving utensils where necessary. Make sure all items are, are all items are labeled with main ingredients and common allergens. Uh, so that'd be soy, uh, dairy, uh, wheat, uh, and our volunteers can help you with that. There's paper and pencil out there. Uh, so place serving utensils when necessary. Make sure all items are labeled with main ingredients and common allergens. That items are cut so easily accessible. Fruit is cut so that it is available for the monk, uh, nuns. If there are small items like grapes. Berries or small t tomatoes, please cut one, one of the items, so it is symbolically allows the entire dish to be available for the monks. So if you've brought in grapes, just cut one grape and set it on top of your uh, little dish of grapes. When you are finished with your preparations, uh, you'll want to stand at the far side of the aisle near your dish. And then uh, once everyone is all finished with the preparation of the dish, we'll go upstairs and have the ayahs come back down. And then the, uh, the monks will then go through, the nuns will go to, to receive the offerings. As they approach, you'll want to lift your dish to present to them. They will take it in their hands to receive it and then place it back on the table. Uh, once they have received the dish, please do not touch it again uh, as it then unoffers the dish. So you'll want to, as they approach, lift your dish to present to them. They will take it in their hands to receive it, and then place it. they will place it back on the table. And once they have done that, please do not touch it again. Once they have received each, each dish, uh, they will actually, uh, they're going to bring their bowls down. Once they receive each dish, they will do the food blessing uh, out in the foyer today. Uh, let me just skip ahead here. You do not need to serve them. Uh, when they have finished, they'll be, the, they'll be the first to go through line. And when they have finished go through the, going through the line, um, they'll actually go back up to their eating area. Uh, they'll chant a blessing. They'll go through line, or excuse me, they'll go through line, chant a blessing, and then they'll go to their eating area. And then when they are finished, anyone who has brought an item to share is invited to also go through line. Uh, those who do not bring items are welcome to join the blessing and enjoy their own lunch with us here in the hall or outside at any of the tables. Uh, we'll end the meal time at one fifteen. 
But we do ask that you return at 1 o'clock to take any leftovers in your dish and tuck it away so we can clean up the foyer. All right. Then we will, uh, if people want to go out and start preparing their dishes, that would be great. We have volunteers out there to help. We have other uh, extra serving utensils and things like that, so we should be sitting pretty good. And then I'll come out and check to see if we're all ready to go. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.